This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome to Cheers. I'm your host, Avery Woods. Hi guys, welcome back to the Cheers podcast. I'm your host, Avery Woods, and we are doing another solo episode today, and I'm so excited. It is actually kind of late. I just put my kids down for bed. I'm in my comfies, in my silk PJs having a glass of my, what do you think, Kim Crawford, Sauvignon Blonde. Actually, fun fact, I just found out it is pronounced Sauvignon Blonde and not Sauvignon Blanc with the C. And I've been embarrassed ever since I found that out because the way I order at restaurants, people are probably like, this girl doesn't know what she's talking about. (laughs) Anyways, thank you so much for being here. I honestly was thinking about a certain subject I wanted to talk about for an hour But then when I asked on Instagram what people wanted to discuss, I had so many incredible questions. I was like, you know what? Let's just do another Q&A. So we're doing another Q&A because I had so many great questions. And like I told you before, I can't shut my mouth. And last time we did a solo episode, I was like, oh, I'll for sure be able to answer 50 plus questions. I might have answered like 10 because I ranted on for 20 minutes per question. So I'm going to kind of go through these. And be as quick as I can about it. The first question that kind of made me giggle about was, ah, how do you balance everything? And it's, I don't. I have a lot of help. I I will be very honest about that because I feel like in the creator world, even some of my personal friends that are creators don't talk publicly about the amount of help that they have. And... I felt like a failure for so long because I would call some of my mom friends that are also creators and say, how do you do it? You have way more kids than me. You pump out way more content than me. And then they say, oh, I have a full-time nanny. I have someone do my laundry. I have a husband that stays home. I have an editor. I have an assistant. And I remember looking at David and being like, oh, so it is okay to accept help. And that's something I'm actually still trying to work on. The first person I ever hired besides our nanny, who's part-time and incredible, was Scotty for the podcast, which I this podcast would not be up and running without him. So all hail Scotty. But I feel like you just have to give and take in certain areas and accept help when you need it. And I also feel like Speaking very transparently, I will always kind of have 
and I'm poor mentality, meaning I can very much afford an assistant or afford someone to help me with my laundry. But I love saving my money because I always like to plan for the future. And to be honest, I do live my life and my career as if it could end tomorrow. And I think that is a good thing to have in this industry because it really can. Like TikTok, Instagram, they could all be shut down tomorrow. You don't know. Which is why I love talking about the fact that we invest and we are starting businesses and we have money in accounts that grow interest. So I try to accept help as much as I can. I am a control freak and I need to be better about that. But I have so much help at home with David. He's incredible with the kids. We have a nanny that works four days a week. She does three days with the kids and then one day is our date nights. And once the kids are down on date night, she will help me with the kids' laundry, which is incredible. Bianca, we love you so much. And I'm getting better about accepting help, but also Stevie starts part-time preschool in the fall. And so I think that will also help me balance as well. But like I said, I just put the kids down and here I am recording an episode. So it's just about balance and I do work extremely long hours, but I also find so much joy in what I do. I would never complain about it. And this is fun for me. I, and I'm so blessed to be able to do something that I love. So that's how I quote balance everything. (laughs) All right, let's see. Getting your confidence back after having kids slash finding yourself again. I talked about this a little bit before that I don't feel like I was a confident person until after I had my kids. And that was just watching my body go through what it did. And you know, pregnancy and breastfeeding and birth, it really puts life into perspective of holy shit, women are amazing. And I can't believe I made this human being. And although your body's different to me, it made me feel more powerful. I think it's important to do things that make you feel good on the inside in order to feel confident on the outside. And what I mean by that is go get your nails done, go get a massage, feel relaxed, go Get a sexy outfit that doesn't have to be for anyone but you. Like David doesn't even like lingerie. He's like, I prefer you naked, but I own lingerie just to take photos of myself in. Like that doesn't even have to be sent to David. I'll look at that on my phone sometimes and I'm like, yeah, you're doing pretty good. Like that's pretty cute. Same with getting my boobs done. Like after I breastfed my kids, David was like, you do what you want. I'm happy with you either way. But that was something I wanted for myself to feel confident in myself naked, but also with clothes. And that helps so much with my self-confidence. I also think being in the mindset of being physically active for your mental health, I love Pilates and I love going and working out, but I'm not in the mindset of I'm going to Pilates to be more toned or look a certain way. I do it solely because when I go to Pilates, I'm able to put my phone away stop working, get a break from David, get a break from the kids. And I leave clear headed after a 50 minute class that helps my confidence because I took time for myself, but I also worked on my body that I'm really proud of and thankful to be healthy and be able to go to a Pilates class, you know? So I'm big on feeling confident on the inside and that will then lead to more confidence on the outside. And I always also say You are so much hotter when you exude confidence. Like your significant other or other people will look at you like even like me 
being a straight woman will look at a girl and be like, they're so hot because they're so confident in themselves. Like, I want to be like that. I feel like the more you give off confidence, the hotter it is to other people. Does that make sense? Hopefully it makes sense. Scotty's like, yes, yes. All right. Let's see. Oh, career change. This is a good one. This will this will be a, a juicy, long subject. So long story short, which I've talked about, I started social media in 2019. And that was when I was in nursing school. And I had my private Instagram account with 300 some followers. And I just loved being in my scrubs and sharing my nursing school journey. And I found joy in sharing it because there wasn't a lot of like nursing influencing wasn't a thing then. And I just loved sharing my experience. And I also knew I would look back on it one day and say, wow, you've come so far. And little by little, it started growing. And that was when Cherokee noticed me. And I started going into more detail about this on my other solo episode, if you guys want to listen to that. But I was noticed by Cherokee. I started taking photos for them in exchange for free scrubs, which I lost my mind over. I also was so naive to the social media world. I had no idea you could make money from social media. So when I got free shit, I was like, hell yeah, let's go. So I remember making my Instagram profile public. And I remember I had maybe a couple semesters left of nursing school when I hit a thousand Instagram followers. I remember seeing that comma and I was like, this is it. I am famous. And it's just crazy looking back on it of how far I've come. But Obviously, my career grew very slow but steady up until this last year where it really blew up, which I feel like people always have the mindset of once they start social media, if they don't blow up and don't make it big right away, they're giving up because it's failing. That's not true. I It took me eight years to start making a steady income from social media while I was still working full-time as a nurse and having my kids. So it's just about consistency. And it's also about finding your niche. And I was solely sharing content about being a nurse because I thought that was the only reason why people followed me. And then when I started sharing other things that I loved outside of nursing, aka skincare, beauty, fashion, hair care, stuff that I just love and I've always loved. Like when I was... 14, 15 years old. I made a hair tutorial on YouTube. It's not there anymore, by the way, about back to school hair and makeup or something. And I was like, I will be a YouTuber. And it's funny because like Jacqueline Hill was my life. And now I consider her a friend and we text. And every time I get a text from her, I'm like, holy shit, it's Jacqueline Hill. Like I really made it, but I just was consistent with it and started my nursing career and we moved and just continued with it. TikTok wasn't even a thing then. And then slowly but surely when I went part-time after Stevie was born at the hospital, so it was two 12 and a half hour shifts a week, I started branching out more outside of nursing. I started doing like my day off routine or my morning routine before I went to the hospital or, you know, what we do as a family or get ready with me's. And those started getting more attention to my nursing stuff. And I was like, holy shit, like 
it really helped my confidence because I had a hard time thinking about leaving the hospital I was at in general. There were issues with social media. There were people that found out what hospital I worked at, called and complained, and they opened an investigation on me thinking that I was filming in patients' rooms, I was violating HIPAA. The investigation was dropped because none of that was true. Anytime I was filming at my place of work, I was off the clock. My badge was flipped. I was in nowhere near patients. Even people were complaining when I was doing try-on hauls for my scrubs and they were filmed in my bedroom. It was just bizarre. That's also when I realized that I have no privacy anymore because people could recognize the inside of the hospital that I worked at and they would find my unit. They would call, ask if I was working, just really just a huge invasion of my privacy. So then when I started part-time injecting, I decided to leave the hospital because first of all, I felt like a target was on my back. Once, once that investigation was opened, I felt betrayed by my employers because I had never even been late in my life, let alone broken any social media rule. I had printed out the social media policy. I showed it to them. No rules were broken. And luckily I had a lot of really great mentors and managers that worked at my place of work that were on my side that understood where I was coming from. But ultimately I didn't feel safe anymore. There was also a lot of turnover after COVID where the majority of the nurses that I worked with left because we were treated so poorly and I don't blame them for that at all. So short staff, just a lot of problems. And so when I started injecting, I had so much more time for social media. And I also took a step back after COVID and I was like, can I realistically do this career for another 25, 30 years? I was like, can I work bedside till I'm my mom's age? And David was like, no way. So I had this great opportunity to inject, which I still love the med spa that I worked at. I still go there for my treatments. They're the best. I love them so much. But I was able to balance a lot more social media and my place of work as an injector. And then as I started blowing up on TikToks, I grew so fast. I think I posted my first TikTok in maybe 2020 during the first surge of COVID. Don't hold me to that. But it was like I would post one TikTok a month maybe. And then I started growing a little bit more. And then all of a sudden... I went from, I think it was like 200,000 followers to a million in like two months. And I was like, holy shit. And then I started having people show up to my place of work at the med spa, calling, scheduling consults online. And it was like men that were obsessed with me or infatuated with me, just really creepy, weird stuff. And ultimately I just didn't feel safe. I also had signed with my incredible management team, Smith and Saint, and I had all of these brand deals pouring in and it took a long time for me to give up working as a nurse because I truly love it so much. Like I loved working as a nurse. It wasn't fuck nursing. I hate nursing. I don't want to work as a nurse anymore. It was, I have exponential opportunity for myself and my family while also being home more with my kids and more present than I ever have been. And quite frankly, 
earning more in one month than I would an entire year as a nurse, but also start businesses that I've only dreamed about since I was a teenager. I never thought I could start businesses or invest or travel the world with my family, you know, work on retiring my husband early, make sure my kids have college funds and wedding funds and can have braces and have a car when they get their license. So it was just all about balance and also consistency, which is why I did both for so long. And then I got to the point where a lot of other weird stuff was happening where people were finding my place of work and people were scheduling appointments, but more so wanting to meet me, which I was really, I felt very, I always felt very humbled when people come up to me, but it was more so affecting, you know, my place of work and other people around me that people weren't coming in for the right reasons. So I ultimately decided to leave and that felt like I was just jumping off a cliff because it was so scary. And I never in my life thought I would do full-time social media. Never, ever, ever. But I also didn't understand it. I, until I got into it and signed to my team, I did not understand the business side of it, of how many opportunities you can have, how many people you can meet, creating this, you know, creating LLCs and now a podcast and multiple sources of income. And that to me, I feel very business oriented. I love considering myself a businesswoman. It's very empowering. And I also find so much passion in it because it's never boring. You're never doing the same thing. And if I feel bored, I can stop what I'm doing and start something else. So for that, I feel so privileged. And I also was like, how many people have this opportunity? I can always go back to work as a nurse. I will always have my license. I will always renew it. But for right now, this feels right. And it was truly the best decision I've ever made. And I'm still so thankful for that. So thank you guys for being here and giving me that opportunity. All right, let's see. Okay, I like this one. All the work you've had done cosmetically. All right, so... I'm an open book about this. I fucking got liposuction and recorded the entire thing on my Instagram stories. So I don't know how much open, more open you can be. What I want to talk about something first before I go into everything. What makes me kind of giggle a little bit is the lack of transparency with influencers and the work that they get done because they want to protect their peace. And I don't blame them for that at all. But then... It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because the second you start talking about what you're doing, you're a fake bitch. It's not real. You paid to get that done. Stop talking about Pilates or going to the gym when you've had liposuction. You know I can gain weight, correct? Like you do have to be consistently on the quote healthier side in order not to become lumpy after liposuction. But then if you don't talk about it, you're a liar, you're not open, stop promoting a healthy lifestyle because you've done this and not talked about it. So I will always rather be open than not. And I'm just, I've always been an open book, but I also, when I look at other people on social media that aren't open, it does make me feel down about myself because I'm like, shit, they've had X amount of kids. They look incredible. What am I doing wrong? First of all, people just have different body types, different metabolisms, but also the majority of the time people are not honest about the work that they're having done. And that is okay because now being at the place I'm at, 
I don't fucking blame them because there's times where I'm like, oh God, I know I'm going to share this, but I'm just like preparing myself for what's going to come with sharing that. So what I've had done, I started getting Botox when I was 19 years old for preventative measures. I would get what they call like a sprinkle of Botox. So maybe like 15 or 20 units in my 11s between my brows. And then when I raise my brows, the lines above my forehead. Fun fact, so I'm 28. I just started getting crow's feet Botox maybe six months ago, like on the outside of my eyes, because I really didn't have anything. Now I'm starting to get some more smile lines, so a little bit of prevention. I can, for those that are watching the screen, I can hardly move my head right now because I just got Botox recently. But Botox, lip filler, I started getting lip filler when I was 21 years old. And people always think it was because of the size of my lips that I wanted change, which simply isn't true. I was attacked by a dog pretty severely when I was seven. And it was a chocolate lab that bit me twice. It bit me up under my nose that you can still see my scars. And then it let go and it relatched again right where my lip attaches to my face. So it pulled that part of my lip down and I had a shit ton of stitches and my cupid's bow on my right side was almost non-existent. They were very uneven. And so I would always overline my lips majorly to try to even them out. And they're still not perfectly even. They never will be. And people will always be like, you fucked up with the filler in your face. You need to learn how to do fucking make what makeup, whatever the, the case may be. And I'm like, no, I just have severe scarring. But thank you so much for that really sweet compliment. I I just wanted my lip to be a little more full on the right side. So they filled kind of under that scar tissue. And then now I just like my lips nice and plump and juicy. And then body. Oh, I also in my face got cheek and chin filler. That has definitely, I think it's almost completely gone away. Actually, I want to get it redone, but that just gave me more definition to my face because I have a very round face. I get masseter Botox, which is Botox if you have TMJ, but it also helps kind of slim your face. And then obviously I got my boob job, which I talked in detail about in my last solo episode. Um, I got 330 cc's and a lift as well because I breastfed both my kids for so long and my tits were literally touching my ankles. And then I've had liposuction twice. I got, and this was a wake lipo, by the way. So it wasn't like the full lipo 360 that you do when you go under anesthesia. I got lipo after I had Ziggy. I think he was maybe 18 months old where they got kind of my flank area and my lower stomach. And the reason I, I really wanted it I wasn't heavy in any way, shape, or form, but Ziggy was so big that they cut so far to my right hip for my C-section that I had so much scar tissue that even when I wore like a tight dress and I had a flat stomach, I had this huge bulge almost from a C-section shelf. And so they got a lot of that scar tissue out, which helped a lot. And then after Stevie, I did the same thing again which I have an entire liposuction highlight on Instagram, by the way, if you want to watch it. I'm literally filming myself while I get it, and I'm high as fuck on whatever meds they gave me. Is that it? That's all I've gotten? I think that's it. I've done, um, what is that called? I can't think of the name, where they put like the paddles on you and it kind of like burns your fat. It's where they do, it's equivalent to like a thousand crunches in 30 minutes. 
I don't know if I really saw results or not. It's supposed to help with skin tightening because I have a lot of loose skin from having kids, but yeah, that's all I've done. All right, let's see. I love this question. Future Avery, five to 10 year goal, family goals, travel goal, business. Love it. Well, I love you. So I love that you asked this because we have so many things in the works and I'm so excited and I hate to be that person that's like, wait, just wait. It's going to be really great news. Just wait and see. I can't announce soon, but it is one of those things where when things are so early in the works, I hate to be this person, but I do feel really sacred of the things that I want to start and the business that I want to start and the ideas I want to start because people will take your idea and run with it. And that's really sad to say, but it will. And the idea that I've had, by the way, what I want to eventually do is something in skincare, beauty, business. Dream, be in Sephora. That would just be like iconic. And I have certain skincare products that I've never seen before in a place like Sephora that I would love to start. So we're hopefully contacting labs soon to start sampling, packaging, all the things. I don't even have a name yet, by the way, for a skincare line that I would ever want to start. But that is my goal. That's been my goal since, oh my God, probably nursing school. And that's why I was always between pediatrics and aesthetic nursing because I love kids, but I also am obsessed with skincare. And I wanted to use my nursing license because I don't think I didn't think it was possible at the time to be a full-time content creator and businesswoman. So I loved aesthetic nursing. But now that I have this opportunity, I'm like, I want to be in Sephora. I want to be at that status. So that is my goal for the next hopefully two or three years, maybe. Don't hold me to that. But I also, I've talked about this before, but I would love to retire David. I would love for him to be off the streets. I would love for him to be home more. And that's another thing too, that my work, my social media bleeds into David's work. Unfortunately, there's been times where he has pulled people over or people he knows take someone to jail and he's there and they see him and they know who I am. It gets really scary, and I also think there's a really negative stigma around police officers because of there are really bad seeds in the world. I'm never going to say that's not true. There are really bad cops in the world, and that is unfortunately usually what's shown on social media and the news. And so people hate David solely because of what he does for a living, and God forbid someone hates me because there are a lot of people that hate me just to hate me. But hi, how are you? Love you. Uh, and if they hate me and they hate policing, I don't want David to be targeted for that. And that's my biggest fear because he doesn't work in some suburban nice area. He works in an area that a lot of crime happens. So that's one reason I want to get him off the streets. And the other reason is because of these businesses I would like to start. I need more help with that. And he's interested in helping with that. And why would I want to hire someone when David wants that role? So that would be my other goal. And I know people are going to have so many negative opinions about that when David leaves his place of work. But ultimately, you just have to do what's best for you and your family. 
and the safe thing to do and also for future plans that we have for our businesses and our family. Our goal this year, which actually I'm really excited because we just booked two different Airbnbs. Our goal is to travel more this year. And in June, we're staying for a month in Hawaii and I'm so excited. And then in March, our goal is to stay. My family's from Santa Barbara area and my grandma's there and she's getting older. So we want to take the kids and go for probably two weeks if if we can swing it during Ziggy and the girls' spring break. We just want to travel more. And that's the other thing too is that with my goal of David being able to leave his job, we'll have the opportunity because really I can work from anywhere. David will be able to work from anywhere. And what a blessing is that? Like that's such a privilege I never thought we'd be able to have. And we're so lucky that we bought our house in 2019. So we have such a small overhead. Why would we not save money and also take our kids and travel and go to different places? And that's just something I always dreamed about as a kid. And I never thought I'd be able to give my kids. So I would love to do that for them. Let's see. Another goal that we kind of have, but I don't want to do until my business is established is moving, which I've talked about. One, my safety, our safety of my family have kind of been compromised where my address gets leaked and that can be really scary, especially because I'm in a gated community and people will still come to my front door and it is really scary, especially when I'm home alone with the kids. That, that scares me, scares the shit out of me. But I would also love just a huge property for my kids just to roam and run around free and be happy. But right now because we're in such a great financial spot with our home, I would never do that until I know we're secure and we'll be fine no matter what. So I want to be able to retire David. I want to be able to start my businesses and then say, okay, now we're in a a secure enough spot where if social media goes away, we're good. We can afford this house. I don't want to uproot my kids if it's a risk. I moved a lot as a kid and my kids have such great consistency here and we love Ziggy's school that I want to wait until the time is right, if that makes sense. All right, I've had so many questions about step-parenting advice. A lot of young women that are like, I'm begging you, please help me. How do I be a step-parent? It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of learning. It takes a lot of boundaries. It takes a lot of protection of your peace And this is me speaking of someone that's been a step-parent for 10 years. And I wish I could go back and hug my 18-year-old self and tell her where we're at now and what would be the easiest way to get there. Obviously, I've made mistakes. The other side has made mistakes. I've learned a lot, but I am really proud of the decisions that I've made, especially for how young I was. Like the maturity and the decisions that I made at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, being a step-parent when I didn't even know who I was as a person. But the biggest piece of advice I could give you is respect the mom or dad, whoever is the biological parent that you're not involved with, Respect them 
try to put yourself in their shoes, which is hard to do when you don't have biological kids of yourself. My mindset did change a lot when I gave birth to Ziggy and Stevie. But there's also a way of protecting your peace and you being as present as you can for that child and whoever you're dating or married to, that that's their biological parent, helping them as much as you can because it is really stressful. I think about David a lot and his position of only seeing his kids part-time as a parent that's heartbreaking, giving part of your income to someone that you are divorced from, that's extremely difficult. Hearing things that happen in the other person's household that you don't agree with, that you have no control over, it's extremely difficult. And also, when you separate your life from someone that you expected to be with forever, but now you're still stuck with them for the rest of your life because you share kids together, that's so hard. So being the support person and backbone for your partner that shares that custody is huge and huge for your relationship. Also, never taking it personal when that child comes first because they always will. At least I hope they would. You know, I would hope that would be what would happen. God forbid anything happens to David and I. The child always has to come first. And that was hard for me as an 18, 19 year old girl that's in this brand new relationship that I wanted all the attention. And he has two kids. That was a big learning curve for me. Also, just respect in the sense of which I talked about on Courtney's podcast but if they're not ready to meet you just respect that and that was really hard for me when I took that first step in trying to meet the girl's mom and writing that letter if you had listened to that podcast episode but I had to realize that she did need time and that's a huge step I also think it makes it real for everyone it made it real for her knowing that someone else was living you know, with her ex-husband and helping raise her kids, but also real for me in the sense of, holy shit, you're going to be in my life forever. And that's not someone's first choice to happen with your spouse's ex-spouse. It's honestly fucking weird. And it's it's not a normal thing, but it's so much more common than we think because divorce rates are just so high. So I think having as much open communication as you can also I cannot stress this enough. Don't talk bad about the other person in front of the kids. That's so fucked up and wrong. The kids, as they get older, will start to notice that and remember that. The other thing, too, is at least this is my advice. It doesn't mean everyone has to take it or people will agree with it. But... Try to show your kids that you have a good relationship with that person, with their biological parent. As a step-parent, it already is so divided that I think it's so important to be able to do birthday parties together or so many firsts, you know, like prom or getting a driver's license or celebrations, going to dinner together. It makes me sad that I don't have that. We've never had that. And I've tried and it gets shut down. And you know what? That's okay because that's not my decision. But I don't ever want my girls' first experience of us all together 
at a huge milestone, like a wedding. How awkward would that be? It's not fair to them, you know? And I think if you have the opportunity just to show the kids that you're all mature and I see so many people on social media that will have like combined dinners or birthday parties for their kids where everyone's able to be there and together and celebrate that child and the joy on those kids' faces of like, oh my God, I have both mom and dad here and stepmom and dad here, whatever the case may be. What a privilege and the most incredible thing for that kid to be celebrated by everyone in their life in the same room at the same time without any animosity. That is amazing. And if you're able to do that, please try. But I also understand if you're not, because I don't have that. And I think it is really hard and really rare. But I think over time and respecting each other, it can happen. I like this one because it's nursing related. I want to hear more about your old job in the PICU. So a lot of people confuse the PICU, which is a pediatric ICU with the NICU, which is the neonatal ICU. So pediatric ICU is ages newborn to 17 years old. And when I say newborn, I mean a quote, dirty newborn, which sounds so weird, but I'll explain it. So neonatal ICU is a sterile environment, meaning kids that are born in that hospital will stay in that hospital. At least this is from my work. Other hospitals could be different, but the kid would go to the NICU if they were born in that hospital or they were born at a hospital nearby that didn't have a high enough level NICU and they were air vacced to the NICU in basically like an incubator situation and go to the neonatal ICU. The PICU is dirty newborns, meaning newborns that have maybe been discharged. They could be three days old and come in sick because you don't want to expose those other NICU babies to whatever illness that newborn has. We would get a lot of kids from birthing centers at birth. They would be born and brought to our pediatric ICU because, again, they're, quote, considered dirty, so they'd go to the PICU instead of the NICU. We also would get kids immediately after birth. Instead of going to the NICU, they would come to PICU because we did have a heart program where we would do open heart surgeries on kids. So the facility I worked at was a level one trauma. So we got a ton of traumas and I don't want to go too much into detail or scar people for life because I feel I'm almost numb to it, which does make me sad, but you just see it for so long. And when I talk to my friends about it, if I'm just like chatty in the moment, all of their faces are like, holy shit, what? Because I forget that that stuff didn't make the news. The stuff that I saw was so gnarly that they wouldn't put it on the news solely because they didn't want to, first of all, scare people, but also give people ideas. Tons of child abuse, tons of drowns, tons of car accidents, just a lot of new diagnosed cancer patients, kids that would go sepsis from, I mean, millions of different diseases obviously a lot of RSV babies that needed to be vented. Oh my gosh, what else? A lot. A lot of kids that had chronic issues. So maybe something happened in utero or prematurity and they would just, you know, have feeding tubes or just brain development problems or their lungs were weak. So it would catch a cold and then it was really bad and they were vented. Just 
a lot of really intense things, things that still I am healing from therapy. I mean, it is crazy the things that I saw, but I also loved it, like truly thrived in what I did. I loved going to work every day. I loved my patients. I loved the bond I had with parents because you have to realize these kids were so sick. Nine times out of 10, they were on a ventilator. They were extremely sedated. They weren't up conscious having a conversation or interacting with you. So you bonded a lot with the parents and the families. There's still families that we follow mutually and talk or they'll send me Christmas cards. And it just brings me so much joy seeing those kids just grow and thrive. But a lot of those kids also didn't make it. You know, a lot of postmortem care and carrying babies down to the morgue and watching mothers hold their kids and take their last breath. Just really intense, sad things. That's why I look at my babies every day, every single day. Even Ziggy, I just put him down 40 minutes ago and I'm just looking at him kissing him like he is the most beautiful, precious thing. He's so smart. He is so talkative and chatty and makes friends and is wild and bouncing off the walls. But on hard days, I look at them and I'm like, thank God for that. Because I also, you couldn't be here. You never know. Just like freak accidents you would never think would happen, I would see, which is the reason I'm such a fucking hyper paranoid parent. And people will make comments or like my parents are like, they're fine, whatever, they're alone. But I'm like, I could give you example X, Y, and Z of the kids that I've seen that have done this and just freak accident and then they die. And that's just things that I'm working through in therapy and things that I will take with me for the rest of my life. But same with David, because David, obviously being a first responder, he would call me a lot with these cases and be like, hey, I'm coming in with a drown and I'll see you in five minutes. Or I'm coming in with an MVA motor vehicle accident or a child abuse case. And so we've seen a lot of intense shit, but I also think that's why over the last 10 years, we've done nothing but grow stronger together because we've bonded on that trauma and we understand each other and our work. So I love my job in PICU. I learned so much. I worked with the most incredible doctors and nurses and I truly grew so much as a nurse and also a human being there. So I'm so grateful for the time I had there. All right. Being a mom, but not allowing it to be your identity, finding yourself as a mom. I love this question because I have watched so many of my friends become moms and completely lose themselves. And by no means am I saying this in a negative way, by the way. I think it just makes me sad because they also know it, but they don't know how to get out of it. And first of all, I think obviously being a mom is the most important thing in my life. Nothing will ever come above that. But I also think balance is important and not losing yourself is important. And when I had Ziggy, I didn't have a choice. I went back to work full time. We couldn't afford for me to work part time. And he was three months old. I went back to work full time. So that right off the bat gave me balance between work and home life. And I just remember my first day back to work. It was pitch black out because it was like 530 in the morning. And I was up breastfeeding Ziggy all night. And I remember him 
laying on the diaper changing table and just his belly was sopping wet from my tears because I was so sad leaving him for the first time, let alone for 12 and a half hours and just so stressed about pumping my milk supply. Was he going to take a bottle? Okay. While I was gone, I was so fucking tired because I didn't sleep all night. I just, just so many thoughts But then as I started getting into routine, work was a break for me because I was home and just in go, go, go mom mode all the time. And then work was like, oh my God, I can use my adult brain. I can have adult conversations. I can use my degree that I've worked so fucking hard for and use this knowledge that I've studied so much for and do something that I've wanted to do since I was a little kid. And that to me gave me so much joy and it also helped my mental health. And I also thought, I actually do think it helped me be a better mom because I truly cherished that time when I was home because I could just focus on him and just embrace the days that were hard because I knew I was working the next day and I would be gone before he was up in the morning and I was home when they were asleep. And that was my life from when Ziggy was born up until I left the hospital December of 2022. So, I mean, for, you know, the full almost five years of being a mom to these kids, I've always worked full time in the hospital, very long shifts. So I think it also gives great balance for the kids because it is so easy for the kids to only want mom, especially when it's their entire identity and they're home all the time with them. No one else can console them. And that was such great balance for me and David because the kids learn to be okay with just him. And I also think it helps with bonding for dads as well. So for those moms that it has consumed them, Don't forget what you loved before being a mom. And if you struggle with finding your identity, say to yourself, what would make me happy on a hard day before I had kids? Is it getting a pedicure? Is it getting a massage? Is it a walk? Just a walk. Is it going shopping? Is it an an in-home date night with my husband? Is it cuddling on the couch? Is it sitting in the bath and watching YouTube in silence for an hour, you know, where no one's interrupting you or pulling on your legs saying, mommy, mommy, is it doing a full everything shower and doing your skincare and washing your hair, giving yourself a block, getting ready in peace. I also think having a conversation with your partner or whoever is able to help you. If you're a single parent, it's so important to just get ready by yourself. Even if it's a quick 10 minute, slick the hair back, put on a matching sweat set, some mascara, and tinted moisturizer. If that makes you feel better about yourself throughout the day, you deserve to do that in peace alone without a kid on your hip, without someone yelling mommy at you. Because sometimes just getting in ready, ready in peace is what helps your mental health and clears your brain. And then every time I'm ready, I feel like the rest of the day, I feel so much better about myself. I'm like, fuck, I don't want to go to Target. I look ugly as fuck right now. Or I'll look at myself in the mirror really quick and I'm like, oh, you actually look cute today. Good for you, Avery. So that kind of small stuff really does help. It helps you get a break. It helps you remember your identity before you're a mom. And it also just makes you feel a little bit better about yourself and be able to do a little bit of something for you. 
Speaking of, someone did say saucy Saturday theme. So next time we do a solo podcast, we are doing only saucy questions. So mom and dad don't listen to that. Love you. All right. Last question because we are running out of time. I want to talk about friendships because I've had so many questions just about friendships in general, about losing friends, about creating boundaries with friends. And I mean, I could talk about this all day. This also should be a solo episode. So write that down, Scotty. Friendships. I have had so much change in my life when it comes to friendships just in this last year. It's actually coming up on one year of losing so many friends in my life all at once. And it was fucking horrible. I felt so alone. I was the first time in my life I was actually like diagnosed suicidal. And I have never felt that low. I mean, I was completely alone. And it's also different when you're married because my husband is absolutely my best friend, but it's just different when you need someone else, you need your girls. And I think I know it was for the best because since that happened, my life has only flourished and I've had the most incredible people come into my life that I know will be in my life forever and that just fill my cup and it fills my cup to fill their cup because they deserve it and they're there no matter what. I also think I have struggled a lot with friendships because my life has changed so much in the last year and that can be extremely hard for people to grasp. And it does make me sad because just because my life has changed, my career has changed, I'm quote more of a public figure, have people recognize me or you know, earn more money, whatever the case may be, that that of course means I'm a different person. I think everyone grows and evolves and changes, but that doesn't mean I'm not still Avery and I'm a bad person. And I think that's hard for people to grasp is I'll have people comment, you know, if I buy a Chanel or whatever, I go and I bought my, my car, whatever the case may be when I share that kind of stuff, they immediately will say, you've changed so much you're a different person. I miss the old Avery. I miss before your social media took off. First of all, that's such a bold assumption of someone that you don't personally know because you're literally judging me based off what I'm buying. Second of all, just because I have more money to spend or I'm able to afford those things, it does not mean I'm a bad person. And I think also as I've gained more money, I've also given so much more to people and that also fills my cup. And I don't say that as like a toot my horn type thing. I think it's just, those are things that I don't share on my social media because I don't find it necessary. I do share my cars or things that I purchase because people are going to notice them in other videos. For example, I film Aaron's vlogs or nail vlogs in my car. If people see my different interior, they're gonna be like, oh, she got a new car and she didn't share it. But then I share my new car. I'm like, oh, you're so different. I miss the old Avery because I can afford it. It's just all other people's internal thoughts. But then that trickles into friendships, which is so fucking hard. Because I'm like, you see me every day. You see me struggle with these hate comments. You see how low my self-esteem can be when people say this about me. You, You see that I'm still a giving person. I'm a loving person. I still prioritize my husband and my family more than anything. But people have a hard time when you start to take off 
in people's life is is stagnant and there's nothing wrong with being stagnant i fucking loved my job as a nurse and i've always if i wasn't on social media i know i would still be happy with that career i think it's also hard for me because i consider myself such a girl's girl like i am like fuck yeah go you get your bag i'm your biggest cheerleader i will order your product i will cheer you on in your comments do whatever because I love watching people succeed and it lights a fire under my ass because it motivates me to do more and be more as well. But I'm so thankful for my best friend, Ashley, that has been so consistent through all my life changes. And it's so sad that she's really one of the only ones. They're more family. Even calling her my best friend doesn't even feel right because she's the auntie to my babies and they're just like our rocks, but finding that type of person is rare. And even if you only have one Ashley, you are so lucky because people don't have that. And although I lost so many people, having someone like her in my life keeps me grounded all the time because my favorite nights ever are just going to her house or our house, we call it family dinners and cooking for our kids and watching them run around. Both our kids are 20 days apart. We, we planned it with our pregnancies. Like we have just helped raise our kids as a whole bundle. And it's so special because what they say is true. Family does not have to be blood and they're our family. And I also think it's important to find people in your life that you can relate to. I have that with Emily where I'm so grateful for her every day because she's the truly the only person in my life that understands our job, the hate, the scrutiny we get with us, our families, our where we live, how we spend our money, how much money we make, being stalked. Like there are so many things that people don't understand unless they do this full time for a living. And that is also so important to have. So she is also another person that truly keeps me humble and keeps me sane. And if I would have listened to myself talk about friendships a year ago, I would have been like, there's no way this would ever end. Like I wanted to die. It was horrible. It was one of the worst experiences of my life, but I have grown so much as a person. I have created healthy boundaries with friendships that I have where I don't need to cross business and friendships. It has nothing to do with my friends. I want to show them that I want to fill their cup. And I also create healthy boundaries where I was always so guilty or thought people were talking shit about me if if a gathering was happening and I was just simply too tired to go. I was like, oh, they probably fucking hate me because I don't want to go to this and I'm so tired. Your real friends will say, get rest. I will see you another time. Like if you don't want to go, that's okay. Because people need that. And I also think it's hard in your early 20s too because there are still people that haven't matured yet. And especially with young women friends, some people grow later in life or some people find the love of their life super young or some people don't until older and so they disagree because they don't understand or they don't get that they have to prioritize their relationship over friendship. It's... It's all about balance, but also healthy communication and stuff that comes with time. And there's also relationships I've had that people have done things that are not okay. And then they realize it could be years down the road. 
And that comes with growing and maturing. I've also done that where I'm like, you're, I totally fucked up. Like, I'm so sorry. I could have done better. I would still love you in my life. And I hope for the future, you know, we have a better relationship. And I also think that makes a great friendship because you've been through that and you can communicate and learn each other's boundaries. If you're, if you have friends in your life that you're not willing to bring up a mature conversation like that in person and communicate to be better for both of you and create boundaries, that person is not ready for your type of friendship. They are not mature enough to handle the maturity that you're bringing to the table and the type of friendship and relationship you're trying to establish. And if they're not ready for that, that's okay. It might mean that they're not supposed to be in your life or they're not supposed to be in your life right now. So that's my two cents on friendship. Okay, my angels, that is it for me. Next episode, that's solo. We are doing saucy questions only. So prepare yourself, prepare your ears. And then our other one, what was our other one that we're doing, Scotty? Oh, that's right. Our friendship topics. I feel like I could talk about friendships forever. That was like the smallest glimpse ever. I love you always. Thank you for being here and cheers. Mm -hmm.